0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis.
1: The title of today's message is, You Think? Let me give you a few examples of this. Never under any circumstances take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. I'm just giving you examples. I didn't, you know, you think? If you look like your passport picture, you probably need the trip. So you might want to look at that. A conscience is what hurts when all your other parts feel so good. No man has ever been shot while doing the dishes. (laughs) A balanced diet is a cookie in each hand. Someone who thinks logically provides a nice contrast to the real world. Never lick a steak knife. to listen closely to this one. You should never say anything to a woman that even remotely suggests you think she's pregnant unless you can see an actual baby emerging from her at that moment. I've done it one time and that's the last time. And then this one was kind of fascinating to me. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? thought that was interesting. Newspaper headline. Close look at dating finds men choose attractive women. Yeah, thank, yeah. <laughs> thank you for chiming in there. Sign outside a store. If it's in stock, we have it. <laughs> These are real signs. I saw the sign. Another sign, notice, we are presently not open because we are closed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, it was in print actually. All right, we're gonna look at two or 3 You ya-thanks. Does everybody know what you thank really is? It's a sarcastic rejoinder, feigning gentle surprise in another person's naive, glib, obvious, half-baked or banal observation. So, you know, you say something that seems kind of obvious, there are things in life that are way obvious. And we, at some point, go, you, think? you know, of course, that's what you should be doing. Spiritually, there are some things that people could say that to you. And I'll just start out with this one. From my perspective, from at least this church's perspective, from the Bible's perspective, if, you know, if someone is living a life that is not working their way, and they think, well, maybe I should give God a shot, you think? You know, like certain things seem so obvious, but the Bible describes people who are lost in their trespasses or dead in their trespasses and sin, that they are just that. They cannot see the obvious. So what may seem so obvious to you in certain categories may not be so obvious to them. And there are things that may be really obvious to me about your life that you can't see. But I can tell you just like that, you ought to make that change. But there's some similar things in my life that if you followed me around, you go, dude, why don't you just change that? But when you're in a bad spot making bad decisions, you don't want to change, you don't thank very much to use it that way. Go to Luke chapter 17, if you would. Luke chapter 17. Now I'm gonna give you a strange one to start with where you think, well, you always should thank someone using the word thank that way but not always according to scripture. And if you've read through Luke 17 and hit these verses, you're like, wow, I don't get that. I'll just read faster and keep moving maybe. But down at verse seven, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep. Okay. And the word servant here is kind of, it's like a slave. Now I know the slave thing, we're not comfortable with that. There were many ways to become a slave back in the day. You could literally sell yourself as a slave. If you thought, you know what, my life is not working my way, I can't keep it together, I can't sustain myself, I would be better off selling myself to that guy and let him take care of me because that would be better than what I'm living. So not everyone who was a slave was, you know, grabbed out of some village and hauled off somewhere against their will. Some people were sold into slavery to pay a debt. At least the credit card companies haven't resorted to that yet. I guess that could happen. But that was another way, different ways to become slaves. But the description here is, and which of you having a servant or someone that works for you, you own plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field. So you're out there doing what your job is. Come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me? still i have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink you say well that doesn't sound very nice you know what we've almost lost our minds in this country we think it's all about me and the sense of duty or obligation or something that is just what you're supposed to be doing and this is my kind of Personal, not so proud moment, but there are things as a man that I'll go in the house and do. And, you know, Rebecca's been at working all day long, and now she's cooking a meal, and now she's folding clothes and doing all this stuff. And I go in and take out the trash. (laughs) And I come back in having taken out the trash and remember to put the new liner in the bag. And then I will stand by the trash can waiting for my (laughs) medal. Isn't someone going to come acknowledge? Look, I didn't just take it out there. I put the liner in. Isn't there an award ceremony or something? Who's going to say thank you? Dude, it's your job. Amen. I thought I'd get more women saying amen than that. Yeah. Now, but see, I know where your brain's going because this is where mine goes. You say, yeah, but you should still say thank you all the time. We don't do that. You don't do that on the job. You don't run through your office. Oh my goodness, you finished that letter for me. Thank you so much. You're such a great employee. You go, girl. You go, boy. You think that'd be crazy stuff. They're doing their job. That's their job, right? So he's saying the guy's out there plowing, tending sheep. He comes in from the field. You don't say, hey, why don't you come? No, you could, but that's just not how it works. That guy works for you. You don't say, come sit down and eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for myself? He's not having to be mean the way he does this. Hey, make me something to eat. Gird yourself, serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward you will eat and drink. I'm not saying you can't eat and drink. Just get mine first. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. You say, well, that's terrible. That's terrible. Okay, before you go judging the story and people who aren't this way, ask God how we're doing in regard to him. See, we wanna get up all oh, that, they shouldn't be that way. Well, how are we toward God who gives us everything? I keep looking at the rest of the story. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. That's the point. It's just your duty. So you say, well, I'm serving God in my life and God should do something for me. He owes you nothing. He's already paid. What else do you want to get from him? But see, we have this thing. Oh, I trusted God for once and now he must come and put crowns on me. And oh, I did, you know, he's shocked too. You finally did something. But we're not gonna come down and pin medals on you because you finally did something. It's what you're supposed to be doing. It's what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, you understand this with little kids. You know, look what I did, look what I did. Oh, I finally obeyed. I know, we're all shocked. (laughs) But sooner or later, a grown-up, someone matures and all of a sudden, life kicks in. Things go wrong, for instance, when men just check out. Why do men check out? They go home. They've got a wife maybe. they got a bunch of kids. they got bills. They go to work. They get in this loop and they don't know how to walk with God, trust God. Or even if they do, they just all of a sudden snap. And what is it they want to change? They don't want responsibility. They quit. But what are they quitting from? From no-brainer obligations. It's just what being a man is. It's not some surprise. And men look at men. And we sometimes don't say a lot, but we understand. All I have to do is meet a guy and he says, yeah, I got a couple of kids in college. I don't need any explanation from the guy. I know what's going on there. And women the same way. Now guys, think about this. Think of what your expectation is from that woman. You want her to go to work. And on top of her work, she doesn't get to come home. She doesn't have a chair in her own remote. She's supposed to come in and cook some dinner and make sure your underwear's in the right drawer and then be available for intimacy on top of all of that. And when then that doesn't work out, you're like, hey, this ain't working for me. You know what? It might not be working for them either. And how many women get a real thank you? Okay, has everybody got this one down? (laughs) Maybe we'll try to go more encouraging on the next one. so what is the relationship between us and God? He did not come to serve us. He saved us to serve him. Yeah. Now, every once in a while, what happens? You get an attaboy, good job, he blesses us. But that's not why we do what we do. We are bought with a price, he owns us. He's already saved us. We are, yes, being saved, and you know it's an ongoing thing, but it's done. So everything, if Jesus, if they never did anything else for me again, I am so, so far down the road. If he just even said, look, I got a bunch of other kids I got to take care of. I'm sorry. You're going to have food and clothing. That's it. You know, that'd be depressing. He's already done so much for me. If nothing else happens to me, but I die and end up in heaven for eternity because of what Jesus did, I'm home. I'm set, right? Right. We have, God's got to do something for me. Keep going down in this same chapter, very fascinating. An instance where you do say thank you. Look at verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, these guys are not just screaming out to anybody for help. They call out, Jesus master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now they all obeyed. They cried out for help. They did what he said to do. They went to show themselves to the priest. And on the way, they're all cured of their leprosy. It's very hard to quantify this. I mean, my mom and dad in Brazil told stories of going to leper colonies where people had body parts falling, you know, fingers falling off their bodies, just horrific situation. And they were isolated and just not a good thing. So if you're a leper, you got problems. It's not a good thing. And all of a sudden he tells them what to do. They follow through with it. So it's a good thing. They obeyed. And as a result of that, they were cleansed. And then look at the tragedy of verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. I mean, what would happen if all of a sudden you have been made whole, you've been cleansed, you've been healed from leprosy, your life is changed forever. There's nothing bigger than that could happen to this guy. So with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Now you think, well, that's a cool story. The problem with this story is it's one out of 10. And I don't think the percentages are very far off, honestly. I think the percentages are probably pretty consistent throughout the ages. How do you get over being saved so quickly? How does that work? No matter how stupid, how screwed up, how premeditatedly, whatever I can do to sin, If you get me talking about Jesus dying on a cross, being buried, and raising from the dead, before long, I'm going to be a mess because I've never gotten over and I don't ever want to get over the fact that someone died for me. How do you get over that? Comes in, healed, returned, loud voice, glorifying God, and he falls down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan, so he's not even a Jew. Jesus answered and said, Now look where Jesus' response is. are not there 10 of you guys? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You think? See, we want God praising us and we are supposed to be praising God. We want him thanking us We are supposed to be thanking him. Go to Proverbs chapter three, all the way back to the left. Don't do this very often, but we're going to go back. Proverbs three. Now there's some other things in scripture that are just extremely obvious. This is one of those, the beginning of one of these. Proverbs chapter three, verse 27. And here he says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So don't postpone things. Somebody's in need, there's a situation and you can do it. Don't put that off. You have the power to change somebody's life, especially when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something or when it's something you're supposed to do anyway and you're just messing with them. Go to James chapter 2, all the way to the other side. James chapter 2. Verse 14, now listen to what this says. What does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? So all you do is talk about the fact that you believe in God, which if you read down later in this chapter, people claim, oh, I believe in God. And the Bible says, well, the demons in hell believe in God and tremble at his name. So believing in God is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about claiming to have faith. You trust in God with your very life, So you have faith, you're living a life of faith. What does it profit if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And then he gives some examples. If a brother or sister, look at the category here, brother or sister, is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? We look so stupid. We say all the right things. We say we believe all the right things. Here's how you know what you believe. What you do is what you believe. And when people come along and say, I don't wanna believe what you say you believe because you don't do anything about what you say you believe. There are atheists who believe nothing although I think it takes way more faith to be an atheist. Atheists believe nothing but outdo us all day long, doing practical things for people that Christians should jump in and do. So they're naked and destitute of daily food, and you say, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, and you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So you say, well, I don't think my faith is dead. Then do something that demonstrates that it's not dead. Respond, pay attention, see what's going on in the world. Christmas, a great time of the year to kick in, sit down as a family and go, you know what? We may have much. We may not live. Why are we going to go buy a bunch of crap? We don't need anyway. It's five-year garage sale stuff. You got to keep it for five years and you can garage sale it. You say, well, but it was a sentimental thing. I was going to give this gift and it means a lot. I get all that. Make somebody something or sit down and say, look, I want to give you something really special. And what I gave you was we're going to feed this family. We're going to help these poor people. We're going to do something that we're not going to consume it all ourselves. And give the kids a bunch of boxes. That's all they want to play with anyway. (laughs) Right? And think outside your box, not just about you. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Okay, so now what does that simply mean? We know love because he laid his life down. for us. So Jesus dies for us, we go, that's love. So he says, if you want to demonstrate love, what do you do? We also lay down our lives for the brethren. So we don't sit around thinking about me, 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 me all the time. We say, okay, God, what about somebody else? What is going on in somebody else's life? How can I pray for someone else? Not my same old stuff. If the Christian life is working, you are not spending as much time praying about things for yourself. Because pretty soon you get that stuff squared away because you don't need much. The old man, Claude, that discipled me looked at me one day and he said, Richard, the closer you get to Jesus, the more simple your life will become. And he lived a very simple life. You find out what you don't need, what you can live without, and you start noticing what other people can't live without, like clothing and daily food. Keep reading, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? How is that even possible? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth, not in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And it's interesting, It says, well, if you see someone that's destitute, well, I figured that out, i just stay away from destitute. I don't wanna hear about that, I don't wanna know about that. It's not my problem. I got a toll tag, I get on, I get off, I don't know what all that is. Gets me home in my garage, shut the door, that's their problem. Here's a suggestion, just take a drive through an area like Bonton. Now We got a guy that's come to this church for years, lived out in Frisco, major corporation, tons of money, big house, sold his house, Bought a little house in Bonton, white dude, and moved in there. And he's trying to change the neighborhood, not in a weekend, but with his life. He said, well, I don't feel like God's called me to, to that. You might want to put the phone back on the hook and see if it rings. Yeah. Just take you a drive. Here's what you do. Load your whole family up around Christmas or Thanksgiving and take you a drive and see if you can't come up with something you got they don't have that you can be thankful for. Now, I'm going to ask everybody in here to do something for me. Take out your phone, if you got a phone. Everybody that has a phone, hold it up, which everybody, a lot of people have a phone. Let me see, everybody's got it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a little prayer. You can put it down. And our Father, whether it's in this room or somebody in an office, a home, driving, wherever they are, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring someone to mind that needs to thank you, that needs some encouragement, And it may be a hard thing to sin because we don't want to be grateful. We're angry, we're frustrated, but we know, especially if you bring someone to mind, that it's game on right now. And I thank you for the impact these messages will have all over the world. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, send a simple message. It could be your mom, your dad, your sister, someone who helped you get sober. It could be someone you just met. It's not complicated. It could be your kids. I don't have my phone here, but I thank my kids for being great kids. And I thank my wife for being a great wife. It's amazing how much you realize you love somebody when you start thanking them.
0: Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show.
1: One of the best ways to thank God For making salvation available is to accept the gift that he offers. If you say, well, I would like to tell God how much I appreciate who he is and what he's done, then the biggest thing he's ever done is send his son Jesus to die on a cross, be buried, and raised from the dead to make saving you possible, me possible. So if you want to say thank you to him, say it that way. Say, I thank you for making this available, and I accept I am a sinner, I need salvation, I need rescue. And so I accept this gift and I say, thank you. I don't just believe in God, I believe in you, Jesus, that you are my only hope. You are the way, the truth, the life. And I accept this gift and I thank you. And I ask you to come live in me, through me, change me from the inside out and use my life. I yield myself to serve you. You're the boss, you're the Lord of my life. This isn't complicated, folks. It's a free gift. And life is really simple, whether you make it simple or not, it's not complicated. It's listening to Him, trusting Him, obeying Him, and letting Him steer your life. You know, you say, well, what am I supposed to do? Here's what you're supposed to do, whatever He tells you to do. You say, well, you know, should we do this and that, you think? Yeah, jump in there, just do something. Get involved, participate, get in the game. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not a sport at all, it's a war. And we are soldiers in that battle and every once in a while somebody comes by and say thank you for serving your country, you usually don't get that till you get home. On the battlefield, you fight.
0: So I encourage you to keep fighting. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talks from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD, or Talks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.